Our guest today has a life that reads like a fascinating adventure novel. Gordon Pennington was former head of marketing for Tommy Hilfiger in New York, was courted by MTV to oversee their marketing, and could often be found jet-setting around the world with celebrities and stars from David Lee Roth and Johnny Depp and Prince Albert. Gordon has been at the cutting edge of culture and media for decades, and he now serves as a cultural translator, a consultant to government and corporations and nonprofit ministries in all parts of the globe. But his life was significantly impacted in a classical Christian school he visited years ago, and you won't believe his story. Stay tuned for this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it Ancient Future Education for Raising the Next Generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Davies Owens here in the studio with David Goodwin, president of the ACCS. Good morning, David. Good morning. David, we have a great friend sitting here between us, Mr. Gordon Pennington. How you doing, Gordon? It's great to be here, although it's a little oxygen deprived. Yeah, oxygen deprived. In, in the closet here at the base camp studios. Well, yeah, yeah. What what's the altitude? At well, altitude well, in Idaho. Hey, we'll see how how. <laughs> yeah, out, no, it's more on the uh, climbing Mount Everest to raise the next generation. But, Gordon, I am so glad to have you. I think when we began this entire <laughs> podcast idea, I, I got to get Gordon Pennington in here. And if you don't know Gordon, it's going to take me the whole twenty three minutes to tell the Gordon Pennington story. It's great but, to be here. By the way, I'm impressed with your studio. Well, don't tell people it's a closet. But beyond that, it's a it's a pretty special it's place. It's actually very well appointed. Yeah. Well, he's looking. There's at the backdrop. a big panoramic view, view of, of Mount, Mount Everest. Mount Everest yeah. 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 Impressive. That's, that's what we're climbing the next generation with. So, Gordon, you and I have had I I think going on almost two decades of hanging out together. We we spent time in 2004 back at the Lausanne Forum on World Evangelism and in Thailand. Uh, Fantastic. Trying to work out media and technology. Uh, we've 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 ventured around chasing robbers in New York you were City ahead together. Of, you were ahead of the times. I gotta say, you were way ahead of anybody's thinking at that time. Well, still was, are. Oh, well, thank you, Gordon, for that. Gordon is, uh, you know, uh, titles don't really do justice to you, Gordon. You, you've got so many varied experiences in your life, and this is what makes you such an interesting person to speak on culture and life and education. And so just to kind of jump in, you and I have had... We tell my kids I'm still an interesting person. I, you are an interesting Thank person. You. Yeah. Back in 2004, you and I came together. I was doing Blue Sky Ministries. You were doing burning, still doing Burning Media Group. And we put together this thing called the Media Meltdown. So we went to 15 college campuses basically trying to help... Documentary a, a, film. Documentary film. Toured and, it. Yeah, on what's happening in technology 15 years later. We're in a totally Ahead of our time. World, something like that. So, Gordon, you were the uh, back in many titles, former director of marketing for Tommy Hilfiger. You must have had some nice shirts back then to wear around. <laughs> <laughs> MTV courted you to be their director of marketing. Um, you've, you've just got these. I love your. You'll call me and I'll say, Gordon, you're not really hanging out with Prince Albert or. Uh, you know, it, so at some point, dated Ernest Hemingway's granddaughter. That's a story. Don, Johnny Depp was a friend. Uh, celebrities uh, jetting around back in the day with David Lee Roth off to Switzerland to ski on the weekend, and really living at this lifestyle that you know would be uh, top of the magazines in Hollywood. And high altitude, high altitude, and oxygen ca- deprived. Sounds like base camp. And you kind of hit a point of saying, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I want to do more with my life. And you, you kind of. Shifted gears a bit. Still involved in a lot of media work in New York, but your your heart and passions for Christ and for trying to come alongside ministries. And so you've done some really exciting things, like with uh, Charity Water. Tell us about what's Charity Water. 
Uh, well, gosh, what, 11, almost 12 years ago, met Scott Harrison, got a cryptic email from him saying, got time for lunch, I promise it won't be boring. And I was in a village in Switzerland, and I said, if you can, I'm in a village in Switzerland, if you can find me, I'll buy you lunch. And that led to a great conversation, and Scott's created an extraordinary organization. I was privileged to go on some of those first trips and help establish the uh, the nonprofit Charity Water, and they've raised a yeah. quarter billion dollars now, so it's been quite a ride. Huge. Jonathan Edwards Center in, at Yale, what were you doing there? Great opportunity to work with them on the branding and marketing of uh, a really extraordinary institution with the stewardship of the Jonathan wow. Edwards papers at the yeah. uh, Beinecke Library and the uh, Rare Manuscript Center there, and uh, and that's been really, what a privilege to work with, uh, with the is, scholars that's there. That's huge, and, and you've done, again, Kind of just a mix. Rudy Giuliani, you were involved in some work there in New York. With yeah, him. Rudy turned New York around. He really did. It's extraordinary what happened under his watch, and uh, and that was a great privilege to work with the mayor. You have been, and then and then focus on the family. Did the Truth Project? Probably other people are familiar with that. So you were kind of the the voice of media and what's happening in the culture. The Truth Project still has a lot of momentum, and it's been uh, amazing yeah. to yeah. be part of that conversation with. Um, Ravi Zacharias, Oz Guinness, a lot of fascinating people commenting on the culture. Yeah, and then internationally, I mean, I, I think Delta's given a new status. You were platinum, now you're like titanium. I mean, you're, you're, you're in, what, 55 countries in the last year or something? It's or? called tired status. Yeah, you look, I, I can't believe you're actually here with me. This is crazy. So internationally, you're, you're going all, you were involved in Ireland. What was that about? I remember a few years ago. Yeah, uh, very interesting time in the uh, Irish uh, national politics under Fine Gael when Enda Kenny was the Taoiseac, the uh, prime minister there. And they, he had committed to a platform of not changing the abortion laws there. They had the most protective laws of mother and child. Mm. And that led to a, uh, a, a big uh, fight in their parliament. And uh, I had the opportunity to come in and advise them on wow. how they should approach that. That it was uh, it was complicated. We were attacked. Uh, people were um, <laughs> lives were threatened. Yeah. Uh, they I won't go into the details, but it was pretty ugly. Sure. And then I'm just trying to get the sense of what 55 countries and then off to Switzerland four times this past year. What was that about? Well, last year was interesting because they were coming up on the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. There were no plans on the uh, the religious or civic or educational leaders to even acknowledge that. They said we're not even sure we. Uh, we're not even sure we like John Calvin. <laughs> so uh, I went over to, as a provocateur, to suggest that it would behoove them to acknowledge that part of their history. And so uh, they did last October, and I was privileged to be part of that. That is crazy. And then uh, Lima, Peru. You Crazy. You, you, said, you said crazy. I, I, we're going to get to the word crazy because I'm adopting the vernacular of the Cra modern culture, right? Crazy's the new awesome. Yeah, awesome's out. Crazy's in. <laughs> For probably reasons that we're talking about right now, the media meltdown that's happening in our world. But what were you doing before the Supreme Court of Lima, Peru, and Bogota, Colombia? What took you that direction? Well, there's a tr these are uh, growing economies that have survived extraordinary threats to justice and, and uh, equilibrium. And they're also uh, have been historically corrupt nations. So we've gone down there with some um, members of the federal justices and others to introduce uh, a process of judicial yeah. reform. and. <laughs> judicial ethics education. So I just go down there again as a provocateur and a, and a catalytic uh, presence. Yeah, I, th I think the best title for you is probably Benevolent Agitator. I like I, that. I, I love that. Yeah, okay. Because if you weren't benevolent, I'd be worried if you were just an agitator. I'm waiting for that t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should be Burning Media Benevolent Agitator Expert <laughs> something. Uh, off to Cuba, what were you doing there? had an opportunity to go down there and work with uh, one of the uh, baseball greats down there who had a transformation in his life. Mm. 
and used baseball as a platform for sharing his faith in the midst of uh, the communist regime there. And because he was so famous as having for having turned down a major uh, professional baseball contract in the U.S. to stay amongst his people, hmm. uh, they gave him privileged status, and he was allowed to do things that most people never get to do in that country, which is openly share yeah. his faith in a seventh-inning stretch. Yeah. <laughs> Well, needless to say, you have got a fantastic vantage point that very few people have, and you've also had, when you're, you know, not only traveling lifestyles a rich and famous thing, that's great, but really it's hanging out with, with just leadership in the church and evangelical Christian space, and I, I mean, it sounds like there's just a lot of uh, concern right now for where things are headed and what is the best solution. I mean, you know, you've got people come to you saying, Gordon, I don't know where to put this money God has given me to help ministry, to help the future of the world. What do you, what's the tension that they're feeling right now? Well, I can't speak for everybody, but I think there's a certain information overload and a fatigue that comes with it, especially in the West. I think the Western church uh, is comprised of people who have enjoyed a lot of privilege and spend perhaps as much time in figuring out what they're going to do with their leisure time when they can find it or recreational time as well as uh, yeah. what their cultural or, or, or legacy impact is going to be. And, and these are big questions. What are we doing to change the world and how is it affecting? And, and, and to be fortunate enough to have been around yeah. some of the leaders of the oppressed and persecuted underground churches in the world and to see the difference in their passion and conviction and commitment uh, yeah. compared to what we're experiencing in the West with so much privilege and so much uh, material comfort. You've been in, what, 11 of the 53 nation states in Africa? Yeah. What were you doing there? Well, generally on a variety of things, uh, documentary films and uh, working with Charity Water and working with other missionary enterprises yeah. and government enterprises and business enterprises, trying to create opportunity in Africa and assess what the needs are, where there's yeah. a, a, a significant opportunity to bring change. Yeah. Well, so, so see, it's taken half of the first episode even to articulate what you typically have done in just a year. You may, it's amazing. We're, we're halfway through the first we're, episode? We, we're just burning time here. How many to you. episodes are we doing? Well, we're going to do four. No, oh, we're okay. gonna, <laughs> I think we're going to end up doing a base camp backside here in just a minute. But I wanted to just establish, I mean, I, you are a great friend, and I so appreciate the perspective. Most of us are sort of siloed in these little communities. They're great families and church and life. and. But to step back and to step up and see what you see. And I know for you, uh, in our friendship, you had the joy of bringing you into the school where I was serving as head of school in Atlanta, I think it was back in 2004. And you came into the classrooms of this little classical Christian school and, uh, and had a pretty eye-opening impressing experience impressed you greatly what what happened to you in that little moment there well i remember sitting in atlanta at heritage prep in a middle school class and hearing and seeing and experiencing the incandescent glow of the excitement of learning itself seeing young people who weren't simply repeating things by right wrote uh recitation but with a vigor and a desire to really express what they yeah. learn in such an exciting way that it, it literally impacted mm. me in a way that changed my life yeah well I want to we're going to take a break I want to come back and unpack some of that so for you have got the ear of so many people saying what do we do next there's cultural struggles economic struggles where obviously the answer is Jesus and there's somewhere but ultimately uh, how do we go how do we best raise a generation up and that discovery of education is is a profound perspective so we're going to come back right after the break and hear more from Gordon Pennington and and uh, learn from your world travels and great what you're to seeing. be here with you we'll be right back 
Hi, I'm Steve Dace. So if you're looking for a summer worldview camp, this is the place to be. July 16th through the 20th, we're going to encourage your kids to become the next generation of cultural leaders. We've got pastors like Douglas Wilson, filmmakers, cultural critics and commentators like myself and Matt Walsh from The Daily Wire. Sign up at calledconference.ninja. Again, Moscow, Idaho, July 16th through the 20th, Called Conference. Dot Ninja. Welcome back to Base Camp Live in the studio with Gordon Pennington. Gordon, who never gets out very much. We need to get. <laughs> I love Boise. It's really a privilege to be here. Thanks for being here. This yeah. is a, tr- a real blessing to have you. You have this- fastest growing community in the United States, Gordon Forbes Magazine, right now. It is. It is. Um, and uh, yeah. So. Shh. Okay, but it's really it's frozen here, and people only eat potatoes. It's really a miserable place, Gordon. You don't want to stay here for long. Hey, you, you, your story is just utterly fascinating, and I have a feeling we could spend the next uh, ten minutes just talking about more adventures. But you've had this uh, again. Perspective comes to my mind, other than just being a benevolent agitator, which I really think I'm going to get that T-shirt made. But you've been in the poorest parts of the world, Mozambique. I mean, just you've seen life at its lowest level, and then. In very short order, you're hanging out with you know the uh, top ten Forbes most wealthy folks riding on a jet somewhere. So you've just got a really fascinating perspective, and I, I'm just curious as we kind of it, David, we were talking before the break. Maybe jump in, David, because you had a really interesting kind of question for Gordon, thinking about this perspective and in light of where we are in with education today. Well, and I think Gordon has a unique perspective because you mentioned early on the Lausanne Forum on world evangelism. Yeah, yeah. So oftentimes I think as Christians, we see world evangelism, uh, you know, more about, uh, you know, some uh, poor communities in Africa or India or something like that and how we can serve various needs in the world. But uh, Gordon, what's impressed me with you is that you span the gap between the very poor and the very rich. You deal with governments. Um, all of these things are informed by your Christianity, and I just thought, you know, it really is is a, an interesting thing to me that Christianity spans uh, this entire space. And how how do you how do you find it uh, as a Christian useful and helpful to uh, go into all of these different capacities, advising uh, South American governments on on freedom uh, and that sort of thing. How do you do that uh, and, and, and make Christ relevant in all those settings? Well, I hope I am. Primarily, I feel I can identify with people's brokenness because I've experienced so much brokenness myself. Mm. And you know my story. It, it, it begs a longer uh, uh, time together sure. in the studio. But I've been sober for 19 years after a supernatural encounter in my apartment in New York and a deliverance that... Yeah has led me on a journey toward healing and being more and more aware of my own brokenness and the layers that, that, that God so faithfully and graciously is so willing to peel back. I take it David Lee Roth and Johnny Depp weren't really good influences. Uh, well, you know, more broken people I could relate to and uh, yeah, and no, very talented, yeah, yeah. extraordinary. But yeah. Yeah, go ahead. at the same time, you see people around the world asking questions or not allowing themselves to ask the deepest questions in life, which is, uh, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? What's the purpose of all this? Isn't that what it really comes down to? And if education can't serve that uh, in an informed way, rather than simply filling us up with uh, a knowledge that isn't adequate to our needs, uh, we'll never get where we possibly really want to go. And so life can be divided by a lot of different categories, which are convenient for the purposes of uh, politics and and navigating our way in the short term. But what are Mm -hmm. the longer Mm -hmm. answers to this journey? 
And possibly that, when we came into the break, uh, Davies, you asked him about his experience there at Heritage. And mm. so before we stepped back into that, I just wanted to frame that a little bit, that yeah. Uh, yeah. you've had a lot of experience seeing the world and all of its needs uh, and its brokenness and its uh, blessings. And all of the solutions. And again, I, I, you've been on both sides of looking at a lot, a lot of, and we didn't even cover the number of churches and and ministry organizations that bring you in. Again, how do we how do we crack into the culture? How do we change a generation? Do we do more worldview camps? What does this need to look like? And and I think the discovery, as you and I've talked about it, there at Heritage was that there is actually a way to to form a generation that that have the stick to itiveness to to maybe have resistance to this this onslaught around us. I mean, I remember we did the media meltdown uh, documentary we talked about 15 years ago. We threw out the you know, the idea of sixty thousand brand impressions a day. So not to get into all of that, but we are at a. You mentioned the word crazy. We're in a totally different day in terms of just the onslaught of influences that are coming at us. And so, really, what's the antidote? And I think for you, education with your mom having been an educator, and then the discovery at Heritage. But yeah, talk more about what what lights came on for you. In well, that there's, a, there's yeah. a lot of discussion of repairing the foundations and going back and looking at uh, American infrastructure and things are aging out since the, the, mm. the golden era of our building our highways and other systems that may be 50 or 100 years old. And we've got to address these uh, infrastructure issues. But the greatest infrastructure concern has got to be education. Whatever we fix today will not endure, be sustainable if we don't look deeply at the roots of education, what our assumptions are around what education can and should provide to create citizens who are capable mm. of facing the future with a sense of informed uh, understanding of the past and a, and a vision for leadership in the future. We've got to address that. We're not adequately addressing that as we're just trying to sustain educational models that aren't working. Because you're, you're often brought in, again, into these many settings, and education comes up as one of many solutions. But it's often an education that's anemic or, or very uh, limited in its perspective of what its influence should be in, in changing a culture. Undersupplied. My yeah. mother was a public school educator. My grandmother was an educator. Yeah. So I, I come from a lineage of people who are concerned about this. But uh, over the years, my mother shifted in her understanding of what the role of public education could, could fulfill. Mm. And part of it was her being a union member, and she saw the shift in the uh, teachers' union uh, representing the interests of uh, what she felt were the students' interests mm -hmm. as well as the teachers to being primarily interested in, in, in self-preservation for teachers. And there were reasons for that, but she disagreed with the direction the leadership was going, and the end for her was uh, very unsatisfying yeah. compared yeah. to the beginning of her educational uh, tenure and career, yeah. which spanned almost 40 years. But why for you is education is specifically classical Christian education. Why is that such a the go-to answer? And again, we often talk on the phone. You'll say, "Yeah, I was on the talking to so and so," and it's usually a fairly influential individual within the world of church or ministry. And they're just saying, "Again, hey, I've, you know, we tried to get the, this guy in the White House. Or we tried to do that beach ministry thing, or we tried to do that, and we're just not seeing traction." And then, you know, your your conversations. Well, let me take you back to experience I had in a classroom. And, and in fact, you're here in Boise right now because you brought. A, a team, uh, a leadership from a, a school in Michigan that's a 75-year-old school, and they're saying there's something, we're missing something, and these guys have really been inspired just to see a classical Christian school in operation. Well, what we've been yeah. missing is going back to the roots and foundations of education. The roots have to be rich enough and deep enough to offer something that we're not getting in contemporary education. We've got to think about what our assumptions are. Where do we derive knowledge? And on what basis is it sustainable and comparable to other knowledge systems? I said yesterday that uh, Churchill had said uh, that the uh, 
the empires of the future will be empires based on ideology. And that's exactly what we're contending for. And, and really, if there are virtues in Western civilization compared to any other civilization in human history, what are those virtues? What is the good and the true and the beautiful that we can extrapolate from that and apply to education today? And on what basis can we make it relevant? Yeah. Now, Gordon, you, you mentioned that your mother uh, had worked in public education. And I think in America we have a pretty pretty defined idea of what K-12 education is. You also mentioned earlier that you'd worked in Africa in the area of education. I was wondering if you could contrast and maybe help us see a little bit more about uh, the importance of education based on those experiences and contrasting things. Most people don't spend time in other cultures as much as you have. Yeah, I've been fortunate to. I've always asked people to take me to see their schools, and, and uh, I, I can't say that I've really worked so much in education in Africa, David, as much as I've observed it, and mm. that's been very informative. Technology's changing uh, in, in some ways because people have access to information, but is it good information? Is it helpful information? Is it information that's based on the roots of learning that will give people a sense of freedom and autonomy and sustainability and, and, and a better life, a civilized life. And what does civilization um, look like? Of what is it really comprised across every culture? Are there certain shared attributes to it? that are desirable, that are admirable, that are replicable. Hmm. Uh, From your experience, do you think we take civilization for granted here? Uh, completely. And this is the thing that I find so inspiring about your and, and the, the, the classical Christian education movement is so extraordinary in its willingness to explore the depths of our educational process and the assumption and the disciplines that go along with that. It's richer than any other system I've seen anywhere in the world. And so as you look at Again, this isn't just a matter of on the spectrum of why why does education why is it important in a culture? I think so often our you know as parents we just we truncate it down to sort of this small values value proposition. This school will help my kid get into a college. We'll teach them good values and morality. You're 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 at a level of saying this is what's going to save Western civilization. I mean, this is a very significant effort that we are launching that is not only about the individual child, but it's literally the bedrock of our culture. As you're, as We you're, all want to give our children the best future possible, and where the assumption is we're going to send them to the best schools, the Ivy League schools, or the most uh, uh, distinguished schools, but th those schools have lost their bearings, and in many cases they have talented uh, faculty members, but overall they've lost their bearings. Mm. And this is decidedly a problem. We've got to create alternatives, and we've got to really challenge these institutions that are deeply secularized yeah. now yeah. and come up with our own formula for something better. And yeah. we're really pioneering. You're pioneering something extraordinarily sure. important. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to have you in here, Gordon. I think what we're going to do is we're going to pause again. We're going to do, uh, if you're a listener, you know we do the, the base camp backside. So the idea is we're climbing the mountain, and we're going to, not just pause here for a, a campfire talk. We're going to kind of go around the other side of the mountain and put our feet up. And I want to continue this conversation because there's a lot here that you're, we're just scratching the surface of what does this actually mean to understand education is such a bigger um, solution to the, to the ills that are all around the world and in all different contexts. And again, ultimately, it's not education, it's Jesus, but the way Christ uses classical Christian education is pretty profound. And uh, it, is, more. it is profound, and yeah. we've got to come to appreciate that in a new way, that it's not just eccentric. Exactly. Great. Exactly. So I'm going to light up the pipe here and talk about my Latin uh, conjugations. No, that's more Can you pass that. the oxygen, please? I will. <laughs> we'll be right back. Base Camp Backside, please join us. Thanks so much. 
You've been listening to Basecamp Live with Davies Owens. You know, raising the next generation isn't easy, so we hope you're refreshed and encouraged by what you've heard today. And if so, please invite others to listen. You can subscribe at BasecampLive.com, and we would invite you to join the conversation about ancient future education. Info at BasecampLive.com is that address. Please shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks again for joining us.